Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of all things film and television. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And I am Derek Wong. This week we are diverging from our regular format, and instead of reviewing a singular movie or a television show, we're actually going to be diving into a little bit of a broader discussion in the world of film and television. Uh, you can maybe actually look forward to more of these types of episodes in the future, especially in the near future that all of us are still shelter in place and uh, we're not actively going out to see uh, movies in any movie theaters. This week, we are going to be discussing shared universes. I will be diving a little into the history of shared universes and then discussing what we define as and what we think of as our, our modern day kind of iterations of shared universes. And when we first thought of this episode, it kind of just came up as an idea like, oh, let's talk about you know cinematic universes. And of course, the most popular one I think today and most people would think of is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it's easy to forget, diving back into the history of all this, that the idea of a shared universe almost kind of starts at the inception of movies, right? In Hollywood, right? Back in, in the 1920s, when we had the Universal Classic Monsters Universe. All of those movies didn't cross over, per se, like you know the Avengers do now, but technically existed in the same universe. Many of the same actors played the same roles in different movies. Some of the most famous being, you know, Bela Lugosi as Dracula, Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman. It did actually have a crossover movie, right, where we had uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. So that was kind of what was taking place between the 20s and the 60s. And then really it dropped off, right? The idea of a shared universe really hasn't come back until the, you know, the early uh, 2000s up until you know today we still also have had crossovers and and you know different properties kind of colliding most famously you know the original godzilla fought king kong <laughs> we have alien versus predator right and jason versus freddy let's dive a little bit into modern day cinematic universes right what do you guys define as a cinematic universe i mean obviously when we talk about cinematic universes, the one that comes to mind is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Although, how dare you besmirch the DC Extended Universe? I'm just saying that, hey, if, if you're going to ask most people, the first thing that comes to mind is probably the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. yeah and I think I'm allowed to besmirch that a little bit. <laughs> you are definitely allowed to besmirch the good name of the DC Extended Universe. Although, to be fair... It has been making a little bit of a comeback, even if it is drifting a little bit away from the concept of one cohesive entire shared universe, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about the birth of what we view as cinematic universes, where we got to talk about Kevin Feige and the MCU. Mm -hmm. And like even those examples that you mentioned before, like Godzilla and King Kong, Alien and Predator, Jason and Freddy... They're more like crossovers and little yeah. gimmick event movies mm -hmm. than something that's painstakingly built from the ground up to become a giant shared cinematic universe. Yes. 
when we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right, they're these singular movies, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, right? Those are the first three that kind of started it. And then they all culminated where they all kind of meet up and team up called the Avengers, right? Marvel has basically used that template for the last, what they call phases of their movies, right? So it's usually a, you know, a couple singular movies and then it culminates until Avengers. And of course, the MCU basically culminated three phases worth of movies into Avengers Infinity War and then Avengers Endgame. So like the origins of the MCU actually parallels the way that comic books are published. I think that was mm-hmm. the whole purpose of this where you have individual properties that have their own little storylines going on and then they have the big crossover event with like the team-ups and then like characters meeting each other for the first time, teaming up to fight like a big bad villain the birth of the marvel cinematic universe is meant to parallel how the publishing works in the universe of comic books yeah and yeah, more, more than parallel yeah. to, to emulate it right yeah to emulate it, exactly uh let's not forget before iron man came out right the very first iron man with robert Downey jr there was never really a mention of an Avengers, right? There wasn't like a, a Avengers movie saying like, oh, we're going to do Iron Man, then we're going to do Thor, and then we're going to do Captain America, and then we're going to do Avengers, right? It was it was really a secret into the end of Iron Man, right? With that stinger with um, Nick Fury at the yeah. end of the first Iron Man. Just to speak a little bit about like the comic book origins, I mean, I think there's a, a interview with Kevin Feige when they first announced, you know, Marvel was creating Marvel Studios, Right. And someone in the audience asked, like, oh, are you ever going to do maybe an Avengers movie? And even Fahey was like, hey, if you look at the comics, it's not a coincidence that the three movies that we've announced, they're part of a team. So even he was hinting at it. Like you guys say, it does take it. It steps from like how comics are laid out. OK, so the thing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like, I think it's kind of cool to shit on it right now and be like, oh, it's overrated and like they're all the same it's not really cinema martin scorsese's like pooping all over the marvel cinematic universe saying that they're more akin to amusement park rides and things like that but the fact that the marvel cinematic universe exists and in the quality that it does is somewhat of a miracle not somewhat of a miracle it is a miracle yes so first of all they're taking characters that aren't even like a-list characters so like they call them the b squad yeah so like the a squad is like x-men yeah all the movies that we've already seen which were not owned by marvel because marvel was in bankruptcy before they established marvel studios the movie studios and what happened was that they sold off the rights to their characters to other movie studios to stay solvent. Yep. They sold the X-Men to Fox. They sold Spider-Man to Sony. They sold the Hulk to Universal. So what did they have left? They had like these B-list characters like Iron Man and Thor and like Captain America. And like, so like what team are they part of? Avengers. So like the way that this all coalesced into so many films that are mostly pretty good with the characters that they had is pretty much a miracle. I don't know, Amir, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give some credit to uh, Kevin Feige and credit to Marvel Studios. Um, I don't know if you want to give plenty of credit to Ike Perlmutter, but um, <laughs> probably <laughs> you <want to> give, <laughs> in general, I do think you want to give some credit to them for, on the one hand, they have a very heavy hand as far as uh, 
being a studio that has very strict requirements on how they want things done, how they want things directed, what you're right. characters, and they develop this sort of rigid house style which you have to fit in, which kind of boxes directors in from really making their own mark on the movies and doing what they want, right? I mean, this is one of the very, and this is an old criticism of them, but it's dishonest not to mention it, that, you know, they end up putting out this sort of factory, mass-produced product because of yeah. the rigidness of their house style, but... On the other hand, if you don't have that kind of uh, hand at the reins, you end up with the, the latest Star Wars trilogy. So, um, right. you know, credit where credit is due. There's definitely a role for the studio head with a vision and, like, rigid control of the creative apparatus. Like, even if it turns out, like, I don't know, B-plus movies, that's better than a whole bunch of Fs. It's better yeah. than just completely blowing it. It's it's not a auteur-driven uh, cinematic universe. No, that's precisely sure. the opposite. Exactly, yeah. But, again, to compare it with Star Wars, neither is Star Wars, right? Like, they thought, oh, yeah, we can do this without George Lucas. Fuck him, who needs him? And it turned out that not only did they not have an auteur, but they didn't even have a manager. Like, <laughs> they just didn't have anyone minding the shop. And I think right. they kind of were like, oh, we'll just let each of these directors do what he wants. And there was no one with an overarching vision. And it actually made me retroactively appreciate what Marvel did a lot more, seeing how horribly it could be botched. Mm, for sure. I think the other thing is, like, you know, you do have to reward the Marvel Cinematic Universe with some points for degree of difficulty, because it's not easy to set up 20 movies, have them all connected, have them all be, like, independent, but still connected. You don't need to see them all to figure out what's going on in all of them, except for, I guess, the Avengers movies and you know, the end, end game and so on. But you can mostly watch them and get drawn in. You don't really have to see all of them. You know, because in a normal movie, you're very annoyed when they're, like, blatantly dropping hints for a sequel for a movie that you don't even know if it's going to work yet. Right. And they managed to kind of do this throughout, you know, 20-plus movies over the course of, uh, you know, a decade and a half. Right. And so the degree of difficulty is really, really high. So you got to give them some credit for that. Yeah, 100%. And I mean... Um, I think they really lucked out with having Kevin Feige at the head of the table doing this, right? It seems like he knows what he's doing when it comes to manning the, the ship of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Granted, you're talking about like what you said, Amir, like a lot of them do seem to be like assembly line cutouts from a factory, right? But like I was listening to Patrick Willems talk about like the limitations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and he was talking to Griffin Newman of the Blank Check podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it was interesting Griffin he said that it's akin to like good fast food. I like that analogy. Cuz like you have restaurants everywhere. If you're talking about like a McDonald's or a Burger King, you have like so many restaurants everywhere and like you need a certain heavy hand to control the quality of the food that comes out and it's good but like because you have to control the quality across so many different properties and like so many different locations and things like that there's also a cap to the quality right so i thought that was a really interesting point to make about the marvel cinematic universe and i thought it was an interesting parallel to the fast food industry yeah it's a really apt metaphor it kind of makes sense too because like it also mimics how like you feel after you eat fast food like going to see a marvel movie you like you really enjoy it at the time and then you come out and you're like uh i feel kind of weird 
about it. Like, just like Marvel movies, they're like things I've wanted to see since I was a kid, right? Like these these are things that I've longed for like my entire life. So like, why do I feel so weird and conflicted when I come out of some of these movies? You know, it's a weird feeling, I think. Speak for yourself, Jeff. I enjoy my fast food. And I enjoy no, my. I, I, love, <laughs> I love the Marvel movies. You know, I really do. But there's also something a little empty about them. You have to admit. No, and I, I think, agree. Yes, yes. But yeah, you can't you can't take its success away from it. I mean, you could you could definitely say sure. that they're not they're not the uh, I'll put this in air quotes. You know, best movies, right? They're not Oscar worthy movies. Even though you know, Black Panther won a couple Oscars, not. Not any big Oscars, but won some Oscars. I think going back to what you guys were saying about Kevin Feige, I think that's reason why I think it succeeds. I think he gets a lot of the credit, which is credit well-deserved. And it kind of makes me wonder why a lot of these other cinematic universes that have spawned you know, or tried to spawn after the MCU hasn't appointed someone as their kind of chief, right? As their, as their overseer. Because... I think DCU didn't start with someone overseeing all the movies. Like Amir mentioned, Star Wars didn't have someone overseeing the new trilogy that came out. I don't think it's as easy as just, well, we're just going to link these movies and then people are going to watch them, right? Well, the problem is with these other cinematic universes is like they go about the complete wrong way of doing it, which is reverse engineering Marvel success, which Mm -hmm. is the complete wrong way of doing it. You don't think of the cinematic universe first and then slot the movies in to where they fit. You make the movies first and then if they happen to line up and form a cinematic universe, that's great. That's what the Marvel films did. They made Iron Man. They made Captain America. They made Thor. And granted, they had the stingers at the end, the post credit scene, to tease the, the Avengers and the big team-up movie. But that was never the priority of each individual film. Each individual film was still telling the story of Iron Man, telling the story of Captain America, telling the story of Thor, right? And of course, granted, having those post credit scenes were a huge risk, right? Because these three properties will be like the linchpin of your entire project's future. And if any of them failed, then you'd be kind of screwed, right? But Mm -hmm. the fact that they focused on the character and their individual movies first and took the time to build this universe is what made it so successful in the first place. So like if you compare that with the DC extended universe, Man of Steel was the first movie. And then what do you get after that? Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, right? Mm -hmm. Which introduced Wonder Woman. It introduced Batman. It introduced Doomsday. It introduced Lex Luthor. Like, are you out of your goddamn mind? You think that's, actually going to work without building any kind of groundwork first it doesn't work it just doesn't work yeah i think that dc was doing their best to catch up right Um, yeah absolutely exactly it went from a single movie to a crossover movie to a team movie it was man of steel to batman vs superman to justice league it's just like this accelerated like we need to get to our avengers movie so that people hopefully will watch our cinematic universe but what they realized, I think now, is that the the singular successes are now starting to, to to come to the forefront. 
And, you know, now they're backing, you know, Wonder Woman, right? Aquaman itself was a success. Shazam was a success. And DC's gone away from wholly from the idea of a cinematic universe when they introduced the Joker, right? Because they basically that doesn't fit in this world that they've created with Wonder Woman with uh, Aquaman. I do wonder if this new Matt Reeves Batman will fit in at all or if it's going to be its own little standalone also. I'm actually excited for it to not be following the yeah. MCU blueprint. Mm-hmm. Do your Elseworld stuff. Do like stuff that doesn't fit, right? I mean, you don't have to follow the Marvel Cinematic Universe blueprint. And like the more that the DC Universe like realizes that, the better it's been. Birds of Prey like divorced itself from Suicide Squad pretty much. And then Joker, like you said, wasn't even part of the cinematic universe at all. It was a completely different character uh, than Jared Leto's Joker. Joker still sucks, by the way, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. I respect it. It's a different direction. It was a massive hit, and they did something right there. Yeah, and ultimately, we can all agree it was a good movie. So there you go. Yes. <laughs> No, I, I will concede that. Like, I, I'm like Jeff. I don't like the movie, but it was a hit. It was a success. Yeah, but it was something I'm not different. denying its success. And, like, the the funny thing is that people always say, like, oh, I'm a Marvel stan. Or, like, I'm, like, a Marvel apologist. And, like, I hate on the DCEU and stuff like that. I mean, I hate on the DCEU because it deserves to be hated on. I really, really wish that the DCEU got its shit together before... It actually did because I'm a DC fan from the beginning. I've been more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan my entire life, right? Mm-hmm. Like me and Amir, we watched Justice League Unlimited and like Batman the Animated Series and all that stuff. And like that was my gateway into comics. I read like Infinite Crisis, The New 52, and like all that stuff. It's like I'm a DC fan, but it's just unfortunate that the foundation of the DC cinematic universe was rotten from the start. And I've come around to pretty much disliking Man of Steel. I know you like Man of Steel, Derek, but the more I think about it, the more I do not like that movie. Okay. It's kind of a lousy movie to start the cinematic universe on. Like, it doesn't understand the character of Superman, and there's no character growth in it. And I don't know, like, the first 20 minutes of that movie is spent on Krypton. So boring. Who cares about that? But, like, I don't think the characterization of Superman is correct in that movie and it carries on throughout the entire cinematic universe. And that's a big problem, I think, that it has. Along with rushing to the big team-up. I will agree with you that I don't think that should have been the start. Like, that wasn't a good place to start from um, when it came to creating a cinematic universe. Now it makes me question. I mean, it would have never happened because I don't think Nolan would have ever let it happen. But, like, what if it started with Batman Do you think it would have been more successful? That's what I was thinking was going to happen. All right. So like Christian Bale's like burned out, right? So like he doesn't want to do any more Batman movies. That's fine. But like Christopher Nolan, he was the producer on Man of Steel, right? So I was thinking like maybe they would tie the two together somehow. Maybe they would have like Joseph Gordon-Levitt be Batman Mm, or something. Yeah. And that would have been a completely different way of approaching this universe than marvel yeah because you're taking something that's already been in the works since 2005 with batman begins it already has like over 10 years of mythology already built in 
and like Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne still alive, and then you have Joseph Gordon Levitt's whatever his name is Blake. He's taking over the mantle, or like he's becoming I don't know what he's supposed to be like Nightwing or something. Who knows? But a little little Batman Beyond action. Yeah, it would have been interesting and like have him interact with Henry Cavill's Man of Steel, like Superman. That would have been a really new and interesting direction to go, and that's completely different from the MCU. But that's not what they did, so it's fine. I feel like that idea would have been ahead of its time anyway. Yeah, I know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I guess we can look back and say like maybe they should have done that. So that's the, how much of the success of the MCU is due to the fact that Iron Man was good. Oh, I think all of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, seriously. Yeah, I like, in I agreement think, on that. I, yeah. I think. You know, if Iron Man failed, I don't know if we would have our Marvel Cinematic. Yeah. Because they would have followed that up with still Incredible Hulk. Like, I don't think Incredible Hulk is bad, but I don't think it was this thing that uplifted the cinematic universe higher than, like, Iron Man, right? It was not until, you know, people watched the first Thor, which was positively received. First Captain America was pretty positively received. And it led into the Avengers. And then Avengers is when it, I think, blew up and like i think people were on for the ride like you couldn't get off at that point in in a sense if iron man failed and then incredible hulk came out i think people might have like all right i I don't know i don't know yeah i think i think the success of mcu does uh rely on the success of iron man a lot um so then to bring it back around the failure of Man of Steel was sort of kryptonite for the whole DCEU. Ah. Uh-huh. See what you did there. <laughs> All right. But no, I, I agree with Jeff. Kind of seeing this thesis play out. Yeah, maybe maybe it needed a stronger start or else it was going to go nowhere. And I mean, to talk about another cinematic universe that basically had the worst start and basically didn't take off, right, was, the, was supposed to be the reboot of the classic Monsters universe. With Tom Cruise's mummy. Very disappointing because Tom Cruise does great action films and the like 90s mummy is great, is tons of fun. Um, So yeah, incredibly disappointing that that this new mummy wasn't good. That that Brendan Fraser mummy is like one of my favorite like movies growing up. So when they announced the mummy, I was like super excited. I was like, oh, okay. I like Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible movies. I think he's having a resurgence. I think maybe this might be okay maybe and then like knowing that it was a a reboot of the mummy i was i was pretty excited but then yeah man that thing just fell and it was not good and and then you know they they shot themselves in the foot by announcing all the other people that were going to be starring yeah yeah classic monsters right angeline jolie was supposed to be the bride of frankenstein javier bourdain was supposed to be i don't remember where javier bourdain was supposed to be like johnny depp was supposed to be it all just kind of didn't go anywhere and they banked on people being excited about you know all these actors going to be playing all these classic monsters but have either of you even seen the 2017 mummy yeah i've seen it with tom cruise yeah Yeah. so the problem with that movie is that it tries to warp the entire movie around the cinematic universe. Everything is about building the cinematic universe. It has nothing to do with telling a good story or like have anything cohesive. It's all about setting a foundation for this nascent dark universe that they wanted to do. The, the nineties mummy with Brendan Fraser, why that was good was that it was just good old fashioned fun. 
mm-hmm. like archaeologists in the 1920s, and they're fighting a fucking mummy. That's the entire premise of the movie. Yep. But like this new 2017 one, it's like there's this new mummy. She's played by Sophia Batella, and then something with like the powers, and then like Russell Tom Cruise. Uh... Yeah, Russell Crowe's like Doctor Jekyll, and then Tom Cruise like gets the mummy's powers, and then he's like the new mummy or. Or something, you know? That's what it's supposed to be, like... No, that's exactly it. That was that's the right start, there. yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no cohesion there. It's just... Everything's in service of this corporate need for building this dark universe. And oh, Another movie that does the exact same sin is The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where yeah. I feel like that was trying it's, itself to build the Sinister Sticks, right? And build on this Spider-Verse, I think, that they were trying to create... And it just didn't work, right? They in, they introduced like yeah. two villains, and then they set up like you know four more, and it's like you got to make a good movie first, and then like you said, exactly. think about those items. That's why uh, Marvel has been this kind of gold standard. But speaking of Spider Man, I'm a little worried about like what Sony is going to do to dilute the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the brand that they've built, just because. Venom supposedly takes place in like the same universe as the MCU now. It already kind of like pollutes the waters, so to speak, right? Because I know Venom is like a meme heavy movie and like people love that movie, ironically, but come on, that movie fucking sucks. It's terrible, right? And now you have the stupid Morbius. Jared Leto Morbius. And you know what? It's fine if Sony wants to turn out these crappy Spider Man spinoffs. But then, like, you go ahead and include Michael Keaton as the vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming, and you're, like, muddying the waters, right? Mm -hmm. You're, like, diluting what makes, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe so, I don't want to say pure, but, like, I guess guess pure, right? Right. I mean, you want to go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger of the same quality as you get in New York, as you get in Florida, as you get in right, California. Right, right, right. Exactly. And, now, and now that burger is not quite as good. You know, the cheese is melted. The thing with Morbius is like, you know what? It's just Michael Keaton, right? It's fine. I can I can ignore that if I have to. Just like I can ignore Terrence Howard as... As But going back to the point we made earlier about Iron Man's successes... I think your worry is coming from because Venom was a success. It was a success. Like a box office. It wasn't it was not like, a yeah. critical success. It was no, no, no. a box, but it was office, a box success. office success. Exactly. So, like, so let's bring in our, our golden boy back and we're just going to have this monster hit. You know, if we can get them to be in the same movie, instant hit. And we don't know if it will or will not. Um, but like you said, like, I don't think Venom's that great of a movie. And I do love the Spider-Man movies. So, like, what what happens when you mix those? And is it really going to be as good just because Spider-Man's in it? And that ma- that makes me worry, too. The studio has nothing to do with it. Because it's not because, like, oh, Sony's in charge of this. So, like, they suck. Although it's kind of looking that way. Sony did make Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. Which I think is arguably better than both MCU Spider-Man movies. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that debate recently on Twitter? Oh, it's like ranking all the Spider-Man movies, or and just like it's either Spider-Verse or it's uh, Spider-Man Two, right? Yeah. I didn't see this. Oh. Yeah, I feel like the new Spider-Man is actually up there with Spider-Man Two. I'm surprised that that's 
not up there. You know, there's yeah, a lot true. of hate for Spider-Man Far From Home. I have no fucking idea why, because Spider-Man Far From Home is great. Mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal is so good as Mysterio. Yeah. Uh, he's like one of the better villains of the entire MCU. Yeah, absolutely. But not even Far From Home. What about what about the first one? Like, I thought the first yeah, one was... Homecoming, yeah. Vulture, back-to-back great villain. Yeah. So, Homecoming isn't up there with Spider-Man 2? Like... I don't think people think of that that way, which is kind of weird. Okay, what do you guys think? Yeah, because that's weird. To defend the others, I, I fluctuate between Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2 as my favorite Spider-Man movies. I do love Spider-Man 2 a lot. I mean, yeah, Doc very good. great. The Doc but, Ock, um, I mean, the whole train sequence, I think that's like one of the best sequences you'll find in any kind of Spider-Man movie. So yeah, it, it's really hard to debate that Spider-Man 2 isn't one of the best. But I'm not saying that. That means Far From Home or Homecoming are not great, you know. So where do you put Homecoming? Is that, is that three then, or like two? One, one you know. Uh, I would probably, like I said, one and two would be Spider Man Two or, or Spider Man Into Spider Verse. Like one, I, I flip flop on those. Um, mm-hmm. I can I can flip flop on those in any given day, and then sure. probably that's when that's when Homecoming and then Far From Home would come into. Yeah, it. I think they're very close. They're all very close. I think that's a pretty solid like four movies then. Say what you want about like the Raimi Spider-Man movies, Sam Raimi's fingerprints are all over those movies. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he got more creative freedom than any other MCU director. I mean, he's not a, I mean, he's, he is an MCU director because he's going to direct the new Doctor Strange. <laughs> right, but his Spider-Man wasn't. Yeah, his Spider-Man movies, it looks like he got a lot of freedom because his aesthetic is all over it. So like, it's kind of cool to see what's going to happen with Doctor Strange because, first of all, I love Scott Derrickson, who directed the first Doctor Strange. He's made a bunch of cool horror movies, too. Um, big fan of his. Um, and I was sad to see him uh, leave the project. Because Why did he leave the project? Creative differences, again. So, like, ah. I guess he didn't like the direction that Marvel wanted the movie to go in. That's kind of upsetting because his wheelhouse is horror, right? And then yeah. this yeah. new Multiverse of Madness movie was supposed to lean heavily into horror. And I would have loved to see what Derrickson would have done with the property. But now they also got Sam Raimi to replace him. So, like, I mean, there's no better example of a mix of, like, superheroes and horror and Sam Raimi than Spider-Man 2 with Dr. Octopus's transformation in, yeah. like, the hospital, right? That's, right, that's yeah. like... That's like 100% a horror scene, right? And it's like campy, fun, uh, evil dead type horror too, you know? And that's just what uh, Sam Raimi is really good at. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with Doctor Strange too, you know? And, uh, and also Sam Raimi directed Drag Me to Hell, one of our favorite horror movies, <laughs> Amir, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's a lot of fun. It's just, it's just fun. Yeah, so. So let's maybe shift a little bit um to talking about television because you know i I know we we talked a lot about cinematic universes right movies and it it can't be said that the influence that you know cinematic universes have have on our kind of just media landscape because it's now kind of spread into television also um the most probably famous and the most successful is one I would say on on the flip side is the DC Arrowverse, right? 
Um, yeah. What started as just one show, right? Green Arrow, the success of that spawning, then The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Black Lightning, and now Batgirl, right? That's like six different shows that all culminate to one shared universe. And then every year they do a large crossover, just like an Avengers movie, right? They kind yeah. of take took the same model, but then created it for television. And, which, and, did, it, and did it right this time as opposed to yeah. the movies, which couldn't pull it off. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see that, you know, the, the same idea can be applied to like television. I mean, uh, we have like, I don't know what to call it, right? The Chicago universe on NBC, right? Like Chicago med. Um, All right. Let's not, let's not be right? stretching the term cinematic universe. But I it's not, like I'm not saying it's cinematic universe. Universe. <laughs> It's like a shared universe, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. no longer a cinematic universe. It's like now, like you have to use the term kind of shared universe, right? Because it's uh-huh. now both movies and TV, like the, the Chicago universe kind of does it right. I mean, even Marvel TV has its own shared universe, right? With the stuff on Netflix. Um, I mean, technically, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is supposed to kind of reside within this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Very iffy. Yeah, very iffy. But then, you know, we know that in 2021, we're going to get our first series, right, on Disney+. Plus. you know, Falcon and, and Winter Soldier, and then we're going to get the, you know, WandaVision, and then all those series that are part of the cinematic universe, even though they're TV shows. Yeah. I am a little disappointed that they're pretty much going to throw the Netflix series in the trash. I know. Um, I just feel like nobody wants to acknowledge their existence. But they had a decent run. I mean, they weren't all winners, but Daredevil was very, very good. Um that Daredevil good... season three was so good, and I was just yeah, Daredevil's excellent. Daredevil's yeah, really good. yeah. I mean, Jessica, Jessica Jones is great. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, they had their moments. Um, yeah, I didn't like Jessica Jones as much. Great. Yeah, um, but I mean, I think Daredevil makes a solid case, and Punisher. Yeah, Punisher. I think has got to be my my number two. I mean, that and Daredevil have got to be my number yeah. one too, right? Like Punisher's legitimately also really good. I think. I could do without the rest of them, but at least Daredevil and Punisher have like a lot of genuine moments of greatness. Yeah. Um, like that whole hallway fight in the first season of Daredevil, and like, it, yeah. yeah, the ne- the Netflix Marvel stuff like is worth it just for those two shows alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, those Netflix shows are also part of the cinematic universe, right? Because they mention, I think, like the Avengers or the, the events in New York in the shows so i mean if you're talking about including them as part of the cinematic universe i would put Kilgrave as like top three villains for me it, you know Ooh. yeah david david tennant as Kilgrave. Yeah. Like, dude that, that that his character makes that season like that's why jessica jones season one is so good is partially because or I, for me mainly because of him i think that yeah. villain is amazing so i mean you can't i can't discredit those those seasons because i think those are still amazing episodes and series of tv yeah so um, i think there tenets a little over the top for me so i might that's maybe not why i don't rate, rate that season as high as you did but um but yeah i mean i could see how if you liked that portrayal it would totally sell the entire season i mean like if you're going to be talking about tv there's a lot of like crossover shared universe type stuff yeah, dating all the way back to like the fifties, you got like the Hanna Barbera universe, right? Like they had crossovers all the time. Like 
Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, you know? Uh, right. You remember, like, shit like Hong Kong Fooey, the Jetsons, the Flintstones? They crossed over all the time. Uh, so, like, you got a lot of deep history that, that's there, you know? Um, yeah, but a crossover and a shared universe are, like, a little different, right? I mean, we talked about yeah, this they're different. earlier, they're right? Different. Like, so, like, right. you know, if you're not really, like, laying out the groundwork to be like, hey, this is a consistent universe in which all these people live and things that happen in one show can affect the other. If you're not trying to kind of emulate that comic booky feel and you're just doing all the occasional crossover that doesn't have any repercussions, I don't know if it fully qualifies. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe being a stickler. But. No, I mean, I think it's the idea that the crossover is maybe the the baby step, right, into creating actual shared universe. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, people love to see like our these different characters like meet up right and even if it's only just one episode or, or, or a couple yeah. episodes right i mean we going back to the the marvel netflix universe right i mean that culminated into a avengers style tv show called the defenders right right yeah so i mean that wasn't that which great, was terrible but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know how you get all those like cool characters and just like that's how you know you effed it up screwed it up yeah yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there's a lot of distinctions you can make. Like, uh, it's a crossover. It's a shared universe. Is it a spinoff? You know, with TV, there's like a bunch of different like distinctions you can make. And sometimes the line's pretty blurry. Yeah. Like, if, if you're talking about like early 90s, you're talking about like Hercules and Xena. Right. You know, yeah. Like, is that a shared universe? Or is, yes. is <laughs> Xena, or is like Xena just simply a spinoff of Hercules, right? Because that's mm. pretty much what it was. Or like, you know... Buffy uh, and Angel. Buffy and Angel, there exactly. There you go, yeah, right? perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true, that's true. I guess uh, there is a distinguish between a, a shared universe and a spinoff. And then there are also like a bunch of different shows uh, that have like little Easter eggs that reference each other just because there's, like, one creator, like, you know, Brian Fuller, you know, like, Wonderfalls, Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies, Hannibal, they all have little Easter eggs that uh, connect to each other, and it's fun, too, but would you call that a shared universe? Not really, right? Um, Right. Yeah, so. So then that begs the question, is Star Wars a shared universe? I know we talked Uh, about it. I don't know if I understand the question, even. Like what? I, I don't think. Do you guys think Star Wars is a shared universe? Is a cinematic universe? Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. a shared cinematic universe. Do you guys think that Star Wars is? Uh, a shared uh, no, no, I don't think so. I, I think it's just a, it. a series of okay. films set in the same like setting, but yeah, I don't think but, it too, but I guess then that's the idea of spinoffs, right? But then, right. But then it does have its like singular movies. It has now. I'm drawing the line there because um, you don't have a movie where like. Uh, Jen Erso and like Han Solo, played by Alden Ehrenreich, they come together yeah. and like do something, right? They're all just independent spinoffs, uh, one and dones, right? Darth um, Maul. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I right, guess if you want to, if you want to reach, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and then all the other movies are just you. Get, it's three trilogies, you know. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it exactly a cinematic universe. Yeah, I see. Um, I think if you're talking about cinematic universes, uh, the Star Wars TV universes comes closer. Like the Dave Filoni stuff, 
like including the Mandalorian. Mm, yeah. They have, they share so many characters. Like Ahsoka Tano's in that, and then like she's gonna be in the new uh, or it, she's gonna be in the Mandalorian or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's some like rumors flying around gonna be in. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. For that. Well, Rosario Dawson's gonna play her. Um, yeah. But that's partially, this is where the evolution is going, though, right? That it's no longer this separation between TV and movies. I mean, that's what Marvel's trying to do. And technically, all the Clone Wars stuff is canon within the cinematic universe. Right. Right? Uh, so maybe maybe that's the kind of natural evolution now. Like, it's not movie universe versus TV universe. It's this large shared universe, the way Marvel's trying to do it, the way Star Wars has done it. I mean, DC has kept it pretty much separate, but I, I think maybe that's the way moving forward or that's the way to keep expanding it, right? Where you're able to watch all your favorite characters on TV but on also, and also on movies. Right, right. Does having a shared universe make for a better film or TV product? That was going to be one of my questions. So, <laughs> yeah, we could definitely transition to that. Um, I don't know. Jeff, do you not answer this? It all depends on the execution, right? If you totally botch it, then it sucks, right? I mean, that's well, that's a simple that's, that's a simple answer. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, based on the evidence we have and the, and the things that we have to grapple with, like right, is seeing all your favorite heroes together in like those Avengers movies worth like all the B B plus kind of man Marvel movies that they put out that are also part of this universe? Oh, I mean, if you're talking about in the cases of those, I mean, for for sure. Um, even like the B, B minus movies, uh, I'll happily watch again. They're fine. They're totally fine. I don't, uh, I don't have any issues with. Okay, but the movies. counterfactual is like less rigid studio control, less shared movie crossover, shared universe crossover stuff, and then like a more sort of auteur-driven set of Marvel movies where, like, everyone, they had a chance to, like, really swing for the fences. Like, you, you maybe you'd get more flopped, but you might get some more, like, genuine gems out of them. You know what I mean? Um, it, would that be a better way of going about it, or is that just, like, trying to make a McDonald's into, into a, a good steak? It's hard to say, um... It's really hard to say, I think. Um, I mean, what what would you prefer? Well, that's what I'm asking. Is like, yeah, like, we're like your personal preference. What would you What would you want? I don't know. We're always talking about how we're a little disappointed at like the rigid control Marvel puts over like its movies and seeing all these interesting directors get like uh, forced out over creative differences. Um, you know, yeah. Ant Man, Doctor Strange two. It, it, it happens again and again and again and again, yeah. right? And so, like, I don't know. But then, okay. But the the flip side of that argument, though, Amir, is that we've seen directors still have their stamp. Like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is very much James Gunn's movie, right? Uh, like a movie like Black Panther is. It's still like I see the the uh, Ryan Coogler of it all, right? Yeah, like, right, yeah. They, like, I, I don't know. Sometimes you can't just easily blame Marvel for pushing out these creatives, right? Like, I, I don't know, really, or who died on their sword for what issue, right? It, like, we'll never That's know. true. That's true. That's so fair. It, it's really hard we just know that they that. do do it. and Yeah, like, it happens. And, and, and I don't know, um, and, and it happens again and again over the years, and you just kind of wonder, like, man, like, what if... 
I, I don't know. Um, I guess it's my, just my issue with Marvel is not that they push these people out. It's that they hire them in the first place, knowing well what they do, right. and yeah. then push them out. And then don't let like, them do it. Right. Why hire Edgar Wright for Ant-Man if you're not going to like what he does? Like, if yeah, you're yeah, not right. going to give him, like, 100% creative freedom, then don't give it to someone like Edgar Wright. Right. If you don't want Edgar Wright yeah, shit, exactly. then why would you hire him? Yeah. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's the thing. Okay. There. So, so, so take cinema. So like, okay. So I'm going to even add even more to the, like, to the balance sheet against cinematic universes in general, because then let's also add in the failure of the DCEU's first few movies because of their, like, slavish overattention to the concept and the failure of these new dark universe ones. And like also put that in there as well as, as uh, you know, a, a cinematic universe as a, as a trap that can destroy a lot of unwary movies. Um, does that also make you more wary of the concept? Yeah, I think Jeff's already said it, right? You can't go into this thinking, I want to create a cinematic universe. Right. right. But knowing that, knowing that that's a trap and that, that, you know, studios are going to fall into it. Do we think the cinematic universes are good or, or, or does that tip the balance to what you're thinking? Yeah, they're kind of bad still. Oh, I'm like, I'm wary of cinematic universes. Um, other than the Marvel cinematic Marvel, universe. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just don't trust that studios have the attention span or like the right motivations to create something that is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Um, right. And uh, the more so, you get away from, like, Cinematic Universes, the more you get stuff like Joker. Yeah. So, you know, in the end, Cinematic <laughs> Universes are, uh, are bad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, um, okay, first of all, I'll take a Joker over, like, Batman v Superman any day of the week. I mean, I take Joker over a lot of the uh, yeah, a lot of those yeah. Marvel movies, right? I take Joker over like I don't know Ant Man two or like there's so many kind of replaceable ones which are fine, but yeah. I mean, I, I still don't know how to answer your question, Amir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm just throwing I, shit out there. I, no, just because I love the MCU. Like, I if you were to say like if this if this is a hard question of is this bad, so then the MCU also goes away. I'd be like, I don't know, man. I I love the MCU so much that. If this is a trend that keeps going and people are just going to keep bailing so that the MCU could keep succeeding, I would still go with wanting more MCU movies. Right. Like the existence of all these other bad movies doesn't take away from your enjoyment of seeing right. the good ones when yeah. they actually nail it. Yeah. Like there's such a fight on, on social media between like, oh, like hardcore cinema people and like Marvel Cinematic Universe fans. Like people are like really taking umbrage to what Martin Scorsese is saying, like, and like, as much as I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he's not wrong. He's right when he says that MCU movies are not cinema and they're just amusement park rides, right? Um, but guess what? Amusement park rides are fucking awesome. Yeah. It's cool. It's fun. I love, I love cotton candy. I love funnel yeah, cakes. Exactly. I love giant turkey legs. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait until Avengers Land opens up at Disneyland so that I can fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like literalizing the metaphor there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can love Parasite and Iron Man at the same time. It's really okay. Yeah. Right? 
it, it really is okay to... You can yeah. love both Parasite and the giant purple supervillain from Superman at the same exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's going to be the motto of the show. Um, <laughs> that's the ethos. That's- another another thing I want to say about like cinematic universes, uh, particularly the MCU, is that Endgame tackled this issue much better than the comics ever did. Almost by accident, right? Because what Avengers Endgame tackled is that people move on. They want to do different things, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't always want to be Tony Stark. Chris Evans doesn't always want to be Captain America. And like when characters die, sometimes they don't come back. Not like the comics, right? Like people grow up, they grow older, they age out of their roles, you know. And like that's something that is a constant in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which isn't uh, a constant in the comic book universe, right? Like. I don't know, Wolverine's going to die, Superman's going to die, but then they're back like five issues later. Or, But like that's not always going to be the case with uh, superhero movies, you know? And I think that's something that Avengers Endgame tackled really, really well. They passed the torch from like the old guard of like Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, and I thought that was just done really, really beautifully. Um, and, like, so on, on the flip side of that, Jeff, you know, the DC extended universe oh, didn't uh, do that uh, well because they killed off Superman and then the next movie brought him back. Exactly. <laughs> that's a, definitely a good point. That's, that's actually a really good point. I, I, yeah. 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 I really like that. Yeah. So um, I guess my last question is, do you guys see this lasting? Like I've talked about at the beginning, we culminated to 23 MCU movies into Avengers Endgame, right? It really, you know, uh, Iron Man started with the stinger. Uh, of Avengers and then the first Avengers started with had the stinger of, of Thanos and then we finally beat Thanos in Endgame spoilers sorry <laughs> uh, but now we are still moving forward with the MCU right there's another phase coming or there's another two phases coming or whatever I mean do you think it's gonna have as much success or because we've dropped you know the Iron Man's and the the Captain America's is it gonna succeed like in the past I mean, it's hard to tell without um, the star Seeing power it, of yeah. Robert Downey Jr. But like, maybe after Doolittle, he's going to change his mind. He's going to be back. Tony, Tony Stark <laughs> coming back. I'm just saying, it kind of boggles the mind that Robert Downey Jr. chose to do Doolittle after uh, hanging up the Iron Man suit. He literally could have done anything else in the world, but that's what he chose to do. So, <sighs> um, yeah, um, yeah. But to answer your question, Derek, I don't know, like. It's hard to see where this goes, right? I mean, we have Black Widow, we have Shang Chi, we have Eternals. Um, I'll plant the yeah. flag. I'll, I'll say I think that it's probably not going to be as successful because I think you're losing the star power, you're losing yeah. the novelty, you're going to more B, C list properties, and like, yeah, you'll get the occasional Guardians of the Galaxy, but you're not going to be able to turn every single B-list property. Even Avengers itself was originally B-list, I guess, but you're not going to be able to turn all of those into gold. Um, yeah. And the so wheels think, are going to fall off at Yeah, some they've point. got to. They've got to. You know, So uh, I, I think eventually things are going to run down. You're just going to be less and less excited to see a Marvel movie because the last one was just a little worse than the one before. You know, It was a B instead of a B plus. It was a B minus instead of a B. It was a C plus instead of a B minus. And then you're going to miss one. And then yeah, after yeah. you after you miss the first one, you're like, well, I don't know, maybe I don't need to see the next one. And all of a sudden, you just you just aren't going to those movies anymore. You know what I mean? 
they still have some big stars, right? They have Black Panther still. They still have Captain Marvel. They still have Thor. And let's be honest, that that Comic-Con announcement was insane, right? Yeah, the, it, it actually got me excited. Like, yeah. Mahershala Ali as Blade is Blade. Pretty, Yeah, like, that's fucking huge. badass. I'll, I mean, even very cool. with the potential to bring back, like, the Marvel's first family, right? And the Fantastic Four, like maybe finally they can create this amazing because I love the Fantastic Four and I want a really good Fantastic Four movie. So like that has me excited that the potential that maybe they can bring those characters in and now they have the X-Men, right? They can reboot the X-Men. Like okay. I don't know, man. All right, all right. Get get this. Um Regina King and Yaya Abdul Mateen as the Invisible Woman and oh. Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> that's not bad right <laughs> I kind of like, like that all right. I kind of like that okay alright oh. everyone's everyone's on the John Krasinski Emily Blunt train I'm just like oh. I'm also still on that train though like I don't know about as much Emily Blunt but I actually think John Krasinski would probably make a really good Mr. Fantastic not convinced uh, as much with Emily Blunt does he give you Mr. Fantastic vibes I really don't get that yeah. he doesn't really give me Mr. Fantastic he does for vibes. me wow, really? he does for me yeah. Fucking Jim from The Office and Jack Ryan? Like, I mean, yeah. Has he ever done that role? <laughs> like, I don't know. Has he ever done that? Has he ever done anything? I'm not saying he can't do it because he's never done anything like it, but it just, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't really see it either. Uh, Take, like, I don't know, Allison Pill. If you're like, hey, she's going to play an evil science, I have to be like, great. I <laughs> she's done that twice this week in shows that I watch. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but, I don't know. Jim is uh, Mr. Fantastic. I don't know. Maybe. Whatever. But hey, look, let's be honest. I think a lot of MCU actors have been under, what's the right word? Not underappreciated, but like just overlooked or, you know, at first when you first hear the casting, you're like, really? And then, I mean, someone like Robert Downey Jr., the first person in the MCU proved everybody wrong, right? So. Were people backing, well, on, the cho- were people backing on his choice? They were not backing on the choice of Robert Downey Jr. They were backing on the insurance risk that he was because yeah. at the time he yeah. had fallen from grace like crazy and this was like his one shot at redemption and he nailed it so oh boy did that's he what ever that was because if you're talking about that you're talking you, you got like the real life parallel there and then you also have the look of tony stark down like so i don't think accuracy was the issue there that was uh an insurance problem, I think. That's true. That's true. Um, right. Versus but like some... now, but yeah, but talking about the future of the MCU, like I see Black Widow being okay. I think it could be like another B B plus range film. Um, yeah, crossing my fingers, it ends up being fun. Yeah, it and could I think be. I think Shang Chi has a lot of potential to be another like cornerstone of the MCU. I think like the actor's really charismatic. Um, you have like the Asian thing going for it. I think it's pretty neat. Um, the big scary thing for me is the Eternals. I just don't know how that's gonna go. Um, I don't know anything about the characters. I mean, like you could say the same thing about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I was gonna say I was gonna bring that up. That's the right, yeah. One example where how, how many times can you can you do that though? Catching lightning in a bottle. I don't know. Yeah, can, yeah. can you do that again and again and again? With like a character yeah. that people don't so much care about, I don't know. It, it, I think it's hard. You could be right though. Maybe they maybe they should continue going from strength to strength, you know. But I could easily see a world where like a year or two from now, like 
the like the new shows are just kind of okay. The new movies are just kind of okay, and enthusiasm just slowly starts to flag. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it especially with this coronavirus thing, like who knows? Maybe movies yeah. are just dead as an art form. Like who knows? <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I mean, Disney, as much as I think MCU hinged on the success of Iron Man, I think that Disney Plus is is definitely going to rely on these new Marvel series. Because besides The Mandalorian, that's really what I think people are looking forward to. The Mandalorian and nostalgia. Yeah, they don't have yeah. they don't have a lot. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. I, I hope it does succeed. I'm I'm really looking forward to those MCU series. I'm I'm still looking forward to this, you know, phase four and phase five slate. You know, I, I, I'm really excited for the MCU still. I hope that it's still successful. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm I'm not saying I want them to fuck it up. I'm just saying yeah. I think it, it's inevitable that they will probably, yeah. you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah. But let's hope, let's hope I'm wrong, you know? Um, no, I mean, I, I only I brought enjoy, it up. I enjoy I these think, movies. Yeah. yeah, I only brought it up because I think at this point, this is the point where it's the biggest chance that it is going to start downturning, right? Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. lost your two big stars, you know, or two big characters, I would say. Yeah, and then, you know, like, coronavirus is throwing everything into flux, you know? And... Yeah. yeah. I'm just really itching to go back into a theater. <laughs> Yeah, what's the first yeah. movie you're going to be able to see? Like, what do you think it's going to be? I don't know. You know what? I, you know what? I really want to not get moved. I want Dune to still be a movie. I would love Dune to come out on time at the end of this year. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I think it will. I think it will. I don't think it's going to get pushed that far. Yeah. Okay. Good. You think? Because I want to see it's going to be successful. Oh, I hope it is. Actually, I don't uh, care if it's successful. I just want it to be good. I want it to be like, good. Like, if, exactly. if it bombs, but I like it, then I'm fine with it. Like, I, I don't that, care I if it's successful. Saying, I just want to be good. He planned it as two movies? Am I... He did, yeah. He did. So, I mean, the first one, hopefully the first one succeeds so that we can watch the second one. Unless <laughs> it's very true. I mean, are they going to release the second one no matter what? Or is it contingent on the first doing well? I don't know. I imagine they probably like because like Lord of the Rings, didn't they film them all? Uh, yeah, once, right. So like, isn't this is, yeah. is this, was this a similar thing, or are they waiting to see if this does well? If he's already said he's planned it as two, I'm pretty sure they probably already filmed it all. They've signed off. Okay. What do you think of uh, like the like the screenshots we've seen? I, I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Excited. Uh, so yeah. All right. So I'm, I, I guess we're going a little bit off topic, but like a little. I think. This uh, project, Dune, really, really demonstrates the cachet that uh, Denis Villeneuve has um, in Hollywood. Because I can't think of one director that has that kind of pull where they would give him two gigantic, untested blockbusters, blockbuster movies, like back to back, um, on the heels of uh, financial failure, right? There's no director like that. Like, mm. like Blade Runner 2049 is great, but it massively underperformed at the box office. And it's hard to see another director getting a shot like this. Um, it just goes to show uh, how great of a filmmaker he is, I think. Look at the cast he got. It's insane. Yeah. Like, the Lynch one was a little, like, wild and crazy. Um, and, like, a little more out there, which I think is fun. This is a little bit sort of, uh, like, utilitarian, pedestrian, a little bit. Um, it's gorgeous, but it's just a little bit, like, there's nothing wacky about it. It's very right down the middle. Um, but, like, the cast is bonkers. It's stacked. 
Yeah. I mean, it's and crazy. We'll, we only have a couple of screenshots to go off of, so... Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. We don't have that much to go off of. But yeah. I, I love Dune, so like, I'm psyched for this, so I'm just, yeah. like, you know, interpreting every little sign. All right, well, back to that topic at hand. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to say? No, I think that's it. No, I think we yeah, wandered yeah. far enough afield. I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just to summarize, uh, Cinematic Universe is good because they brought us the MCU. Cinematic Universe is bad because they almost didn't bring us Joker. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cinematic Universe is also bad because I, I think there's just been a lot of not great movies because people have focused too much on Cinematic Universe. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... It's not a podcast episode until Amir trolls me about Joker. So. Yeah, I mean, I have so. to. I just can't. I can't resist that. It's too easy. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on my blog at www.strangeharbors.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. Amir? Um, check out the letterbox. I've been working through the quarantine, so haven't been updating it much, but I swear I will. Derek, what about you? Uh, you can follow me on both Instagram and Twitter and Letterbox at the wrong Dave. Dave spelled D A Y I K. But if you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we want to get our podcasts out to more and more people, and the best way to support us is to give us a good rating on uh, iTunes. If you listen on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, if you give us a high star rating, it's definitely a, a barometer for getting our podcasts out to more people. And like I said at the top of the episode, you know, we're going to try some of these kind of more generic kind of discussions uh, moving forward with uh, with some of our upcoming episodes. So if you guys have any suggestions on topics you guys want us to discuss or things that you think uh, would be fun for us to discuss, uh, definitely email us. Uh, Jeff, what's our email again? I've actually had a little bit of issue with my email recently, so I'm going to fold the old email address into my own personal one. So like if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, you can email me at jeff at strangeharbors.com. Um, it used to be info at strangeharbors.com, but we're having some technical issues there. So for this week and maybe for the foreseeable future, send it to jeff at strangeharbors.com. All right. And we will see you guys next week. Yeah. See you guys next week. Stay safe out there, everybody.